passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock, along with the man himself, Wei Ting, who is here with us. Beautiful HD. Oh, yes. Thankfully, I am. Hopefully, no problems for the rest of the show. But um, how are you doing, John? I'm I'm doing all right. Yeah. Okay. It's been a week. It's been a week. Mm. But uh, yes. What do you feel like talking about tonight, Way? How about some big announcements? Oh, are we going to start right off? Is this, you know, the first quarter is usually when you are, are going to do something big. So I think it is time to bring on live the Poison Rana crew themselves here on to Rewind a Dynamite. Worlds colliding here. Braden Harrington, Davey Portman are with us. Gentlemen, how are you on this fine evening? Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. We're here on a Wednesday night. May 3rd, 2023, we're about to shake the foundations. Oh my God, cores are going to be rocked, uh, foundations shook. Everything you thought you knew. You'll never see it coming. Yeah, yeah. it's all going to change here tonight. Oh boy. Yes. Well, we, we couldn't uh, get uh, Adam Cole here for the announcement, unfortunately. We really wanted him to do this for us, but he was busy uh, tonight. So, but yeah, we're here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, post-wrestling, And Poison Rana, we are teaming up. We have devised an event that is going to steal the weekend, a Forbidden Door weekend. Davey, can you tell us, what is the Forbidden Poor? Yes, Forbidden Poor. 
Uh, we're going to have uh, two events on uh, the day of Forbidden Door. We're going to do a pre-event at Real Sports immediately next door to Scotiabank Arena. You can even kind of walk out our event, go down a corridor Secret and go, hallway. To your, go to your seats. Oh, yeah. Um, we're upstairs at uh, Real Sports. We're going to do a pre-show, pre-podcast, pre-drinks. And then what have we got after, Brayden? Oh, well, I mean, look, we're going to have a pre-party and we're opening the forbidden door, but it's afterwards that the after party is where things are really going to kick off because we're going to do some wrestling karaoke yet again. We've done it once before in Toronto and it was a success. And well, we're ready to party in Toronto, forbidden poor, baby. And it's already been promised that a Mr. John Pollock is going to sing All In yes. by Downstate. Yeah, he agreed. It was in the contract. Karaoke. Yeah, yeah. It was in the contract that he's singing some Downstate for us. Uh, and you'll hear it. You'll hear it live if you come to this party. So you heard it here, fo- folks. First, the Forbidden Poor, post wrestling and Poison Rana. The same day, if for anyone traveling in for Forbidden Door, we will be literally steps away from the Scotiabank Arena. It is right next door. It is attached to the arena. We have the upstairs. Look at that. Way's even got a graphic made wow. because that's how close it is to Scotiabank Arena. We are taking over. This is a post-wrestling Poison Rana invasion. This is where the six is our home, and we're taking over, rightfully so. So if you have plans to come for Forbidden Door, Make sure you come and watch at 3 p.m. I know John away. You guys are going to do a podcast before the show. And then afterwards, we're doing karaoke and just a wrestling party. And we, we've been throwing a few parties before, but nothing this big, nothing this huge. This is our double or nothing, really. And we're so excited. This is going to be a blast. If you're thinking about Forbidden Door Weekend, now is your chance because tickets are available now, aren't they, Way? Yes, they are right now. Postwrestling.com slash live. Uh, I'm super excited about doing something like this. I mean, we've kind of had, you know, been a, a part of uh, live events with ourselves and sometimes with you guys, but never really promoting something with, like, you know, especially with uh, Poison Rana since you guys have started. So uh, we've only heard of the legend of the Poison Rana party, whether it be your watch alongs or your karaoke's. John and I were usually working those nights, so we're not usually a part of it, but this is one we'll actually be there for. And we'll get the hand with all of our listeners. And a lot of you guys I know already are coming from out of town to come to Forbidden Door. And uh, we picked a location that couldn't be better, literally steps away from the arena itself. So I'm very you know it's the next bar closest is like the concourse in the Scotia. <laughs> yeah, that's how close it is. You're like, you're literally set for the whole day of Forbidden Door activities. And like the craziest thing, the biggest thing here is that John Away agreed to do their post show the next day so they can come and party with us. That's the real draw here, folks. You can hang out with all of us before and after the show. It's going to be an absolute riot and. Uh, yeah, we're joining forces. So anyone in the GTA area, Toronto area, get your ticket soon because uh, we will possibly sell out. We have in the past. There's only so many so many tickets available for people to party with other wrestling fans. And uh, you never know. We'll, we, we've had like prizes and, and games. Wrestling fans. Yeah, we're the Post coolest, obviously. Poison pals, man. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna have a ton of fun. We're gonna take over our own city here, and uh, we can't wait to see all of our our postmarks, our friends, everyone out there. This is going to be a huge, huge fun event and a crazy weekend. So postwrestling.com slash live, the forbidden poor. We also throughout the rest of leading up to this, because this is in a, you know, a few months, June 25th, we're going to have uh, 
some other things like some trivia, some games, some prizes. Even we know how to throw a party and trust me, we live the gimmick. So make it, make your moves now, buy your tickets and come hang out with us and party for the forbidden poor before and after the forbidden door. I'm so excited. And just for a little bit of added incentive, we have a, a, a for the first 25 people who order our all day tickets, we have some post wrestling five year anniversary T-shirts to give out. So if you go to postwrestling.com slash live right now uh, and be one of the first 25 people to order while supplies last, you get a free post wrestling five year anniversary shirt uh, when you show up. So. There you go. And it's $30, $30 Canadian, and that gets you access to <laughs> the pre-show podcast, get to hang out with us before the show, and is good to get back into the after party after. So $30 covers you for the entire day at Real Sports. So we hope to see many of you out there, uh, whether before, after, or for both. And Davey will have a very special wrestling-themed cocktail menu that he is currently oh. uh, going to the lab on a daily basis as he concocts the the true forbidden pours. Oh, yes. Uh, we, we've we had a lot of success with these cocktails yeah. at like our WrestleMania party, our, uh, our last wrestling karaoke after Dynamite in yeah. the city. And, uh, well, it's, you know, it's it's the Japan, Japan meet the US and Canada. Canada. So uh, we're, we're going along that route with some really nice cocktails and we might be getting some help with these as well. So Ooh. I think the drinks are going to be uh, pretty something. Oh, yeah. Something this like, time. Look, guys, I'm not, we're not blowing smoke. When it comes to this party, we're cooking something up. This is going to be one for the ages. So definitely wrestling fans. We're super excited to hang out with all of you fine, fine people. And I know there's a lot of postmarks and listeners out there who are traveling in for this show. And that's what makes it even better. Uh, the whole like community and stuff. This is our, this is our all in. This is our whole thing is just hanging out and doing a, a podcast and doing a, a live hangout and a party and everything. And I'm seeing in the chat right now, Brandon from New Jersey's coming. Oh my goodness. Sorry, I love this suggestion for drinks uh, from Leone. Just five rice. Just five whiskey shots. <laughs> yeah, patent pending. We'll work yeah. on that one. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And I'm super excited. And uh, John Away, you guys aren't doing a show, like we said, the night after, like the night of, you're taking it off to, to come hang out. And that's that's going to be a lot of fun as well. So, man, I'm super excited. Uh, I know people are hyped about Wembley as well. We can also say me and Davey are cooking something up for that weekend as well. So you people across the pond aren't left out, but... Yeah, it's going to be a whole summer of lots of wrestling and, uh, you know, live while you can, folks. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Well, we will be hearing from Brayden and Davey much more in the uh, weeks to come. But again, Sunday, June the 25th, everything starts at 3 p.m. That's when doors open and uh, the forbidden doors open at Real Sports Bar, 15 York Street. And tickets are available now. Postwrestling.com slash live. You get a free pre-show Q&A and a hang out with all the post listeners. You can then walk across the street, watch the show, and then come right back afterwards because the after party will begin as soon as the main event concludes and go well into Monday morning. <laughs> Maybe longer <laughs> is, if you're hanging out with Braden all night. Yeah, I mean, if you hang out with us, we might take yeah, you to a few after, after parties. Yeah, we might take so. you some afters or something. We should have say, some, hey, have any wrestlers... Moms. Yeah, we'll have some socket, but oh, yeah, maybe yeah. some competitions as well. That's not mm -hmm. a bad idea there, John. We should also say any wrestlers out there who, who might be in this in town for that weekend, hit us up. You're welcome for free. Come on in. Come on. Come on. Come party with us for sure. Uh, but yeah, can't wait. Thanks for having us on, guys, by the way. 
All right. Brandon and Davey, check them out. Poisonrana.ca. And we will see you guys at the Forbidden Poor. Take see care. Ya. All right. There you have it. Way. This was a uh, quite quite the uh, the undertaking that we have coming up on the 25th. I cannot believe we got this location for that night. Yeah, I can't believe it was av- available. So the moment, um, you know, our, our friends at Poison Rana alerted us about it, we were more than happy to join. So um, I'm li- really looking forward to it. I am, too. Uh, it's always fun whenever we can do the, these live shows and especially here uh, in Toronto, uh, a chance to meet up with a bunch of listeners, whether you're from out of town or here locally. Uh, we hope to see you whether you're going to the show or not. The, the real draw will be coming to see the four of us. Oh, or, of course. Or at least you way. Well, uh, you know, I'm uh, Davey, I think. Davey and Braden are the real draws to me. Mm-hmm. And again, tickets are on sale now. You can uh, mm-hmm. get them immediately. So, And there are limited tickets available. So uh, first, 25 people to purchase tickets for the all-day event. You will get your special post-wrestling five-year anniversary t-shirt. So uh, you can go secure your tickets as we speak. There's no pre-sale. There's no unique code. You just can go get your ticket now, and uh, WrestleTix will let you know what the availability is. You think we'll hit 45,000 in the first 32 hours? Easy. Yeah, Easy. Maybe. That's, it's going to be huge demand. How was your Wednesday otherwise? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, busy. Like, you know, not necessarily related to, to work, but just, uh, just with family. But, yeah, how, how was yours? I'm busy. It's been a very busy uh, week uh, for me. My day started, I woke up at 5.30 this morning, which is tiring at this hour. But man, those hours, you get so much done. From 5.30 to 8.30, the amount that you can get done when no one else is awake, it's, um, I might try it again tomorrow. I mean, I, I, those are very productive hours for me as well, but on the other end of my day. <laughs> and then you go to sleep at like 8.30? Sure. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. I would die. I don't know how you wake up at 5.30. Well, uh, we all have our, our methods. Well, let's way mentioned it. And we should talk about that off the top here. AEW all in the presale began on Tuesday and Tony Khan's latest update is that they have sold over 43,000 tickets for the August 27th event at Wembley stadium, uh, with, with a gate already of $5.7 million us to put that number into perspective. That is a larger number than WCW ever drew their largest event was 41,412 for the July 1998 edition of Nitro that featured Bill Goldberg winning the WCW title from Hulk Hogan. And their biggest gate was just over $930,000 for the event that brought way back into professional wrestling, the finger poke of doom on January 4th <laughs> of 1999. These are extraordinary numbers for AEW. And this is before the public on sale this Friday. And I have to say that of all the promotional um, plugs that AEW works into their show, I don't think they've ever been as effective as tonight when pushing this event. Like you tuned in tonight, they were constantly plugging the success of the pre-sale, the public on sale and making this feel like, like what it is the biggest show in the company's history. Yeah, absolutely. I was on almost maybe even a little surprised. They didn't, even make a bigger deal out of it because i think that's exactly what wwe would have done they would have had um you know big maybe um cameras outside of uh ticket uh offices i guess you can't really have that here but you know they would have uh, you know maybe had there wouldn't uh, be lineups for this this is all you, you know, would have people uh, in front of the computers i think they would have had uh cameras uh, across someone uh, with eight laptops set up <laughs> yeah exactly people on their cell phones um 
but yeah, it's 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 something you definitely want to promote. This sort of positive buzz is something that I think AEW has been after, uh, really probably throughout its entire existence, but especially over the past year, it, that positive sort of like good news, hey, like we're on fire type of like buzz is something that I think they've been sorely lacking. This is definitely credible buzz that they've earned for themselves. Has this adjusted your expectations? Like, what are you expecting Friday to 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 bring when it comes to the public on sale? It's such a unique um, kind of question because um, I think AEW is a very unique product in that it very much caters to the hardcore fan. And it tells you, like, hey, 43,000 people had pre-sale codes. They went through the trouble of finding out about this pre-sale, registering for a pre-sale code, and then purchasing tickets um so it's kind of like for me like um it'll be a a great indicator of like how much of of the AEW audience is outside the bubble i'm willing to bet it's quite a bit if forty three thousand are are here i i think there's a good deal of buzz just coming off of this result right now um does it adjust my predictions i think so like what do you think it, it tops out at right now if you have to make a prediction at this point I would think you have to be looking at this being an event that is going to hit like conservatively over 70, I would say. Well, what's the what's capacity then? Or you talk you're talking about a sellout. I think with the um with the the construction that they did on the stadium, I think they can go to 9091 would be sort of your your upper bound limit. Okay. All right. So a ways away from a sellout, but I mean shit, like 70,000 that's virtually at least like for a, a second professional wrestling company in the world this is this is a Man. gigantic number to do Huge. for the pre-sale like this is a like this is the equ- equivalent I, I would say wrestlemania like only your biggest events are going to do this off of a pre-sale okay mm-hmm. this is not even like friday um very curious to see um how many more they move on friday and then conversely how the tickets like typically we see for AEW shows huge demand at the beginning. And then does this build as matches are rolled out and you get to a week or two out from the event, like how many um, they, they continue to add, but this is going to be a, this is already a gigantic success for the company. And I'm glad they made such a big deal of it on the show on Wednesday. WWE held their earnings report uh, earlier today, and I'm not going to go too in-depth in this because Brandon Thurston and I will be doing a show Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and we'll go deeper into this. But essentially, for the quarter, um, they were down from last year's first quarter, the main culprit being that last year in the first quarter, they had a card in Saudi Arabia. This year, they did not, and that made for like a r- roughly $56 million difference uh, between a Saudi Arabia card and not having a Saudi Arabia card, but they had a net income of $36.7 million off of revenues of $297.6 million. The big highlights of the quarter can certainly be put under like Paul Levesque's um, portion of the company. When you talk about television viewership and live events and how creative um, affects those particular areas, raw and SmackDown were both up 7% in viewership and they've also started to now break down the 18 to 49 numbers in their in their breakdowns, which they did not previously. Raw is up 16% in 18 to 49. SmackDown is up 7 in the key demo. And when we always talk about how 
how important Raw is to the USA Network. So they are averaging about 1,835,000 viewers this year. USA in primetime is averaging 603,000. So that is the impact that Raw has, like a three times the primetime average of USA. SmackDown, on the other hand, is below, slightly, but below the network average of Fox and right about at the same as the 18 to 49 audience. So it's it's like it's performing at the level uh, of a Fox primetime show and also is, you know, in in many ways, it's it's cheaper than it would be, you know, commissioning a, a a drama that would be airing at two hour for two hours on a Friday night or for a major, you know, sports rights, for instance, that would be a, a comparative as well. NXT is pretty much right at the USA Network average uh, as well, looking at those numbers. And we had, this was already announced, but Vince McMahon spending $17.4 million this quarter related to costs of the investigation, which is a, um, that's a big check to write. Um, and, you know, of the of the questions that we got during the Q&A, I mean, th- this was one of the shorter uh, Q&As that they did. And it was, you know, considering all that happened this quarter, you would have thought that like there would have been just all this news coming out of it and the merger and such. And it was really just kind of by the numbers, like the most insight we got was Nick Khan noting that the, the window for Fox and NBC universal to have their exclusive negotiating window is about a month, which we know it started uh WrestleMania weekend. So we're at a month. So that time would be just about up now, if not already that you would be um, ending that one month window. And also Nick Khan mentioning the fact that they are negotiating for uh, renewal in Canada for their media rights, as well as the UK, and that it was not by accident that Elimination Chamber was in Montreal uh, when they're negotiating a Canadian deal. When Hmm. their domestic rights are coming due, they went to LA and they're going to Money in the Bank in London with that event and getting these people to see the event in person. I mean, that's certainly many factors go into that, but Nick Khan laid that out as like a key reason that is very helpful for them uh, as well. And the stock was trading very well today. It was, uh, I believe it closed around $108 as well. So it it was met pretty well in terms of the uh, expectations going into this and the quarter that they had. And we'll have a monster quarter in the second because it is both WrestleMania and it is uh, Saudi Arabia that they have in these, this next quarter on top of the fact that business is, doing very well. Like television numbers have held up very well this month against the NBA playoffs. Uh, Ticket sales have been very strong throughout April and looks to be continuing that way into May. You've also got this uh, show in Puerto Rico that they're getting a subsidy for that one as well. So the second quarter is going to be a big one. At what point do you start to see maybe um, some of the corporate synergies um, start to be uh, synergized? So I'm going to have to get the exact quote, but there was a question about corporate expenses and they mm-hmm. gave it in the most like you would have just been like <laughs> unable to keep a straight face of how they stated. Well, it was um, we see some strategies because um, about 130 million of this is, well, people and yeah. we feel ways that we can make that cost beneficial or whatever it was mm-hmm. like in the the most like. Clear cut way of like, dude, cuts are coming and probably big ones as well when they're looking to slash, um, you know, to slash such a significant amount um, Mm -hmm. that 
a merger is designed to do. Un unfortunately, there is a human cost to, um, you know, giant business dealings of this scope. Um, no Vince McMahon on the call. I wouldn't say that would be too surprising. It was pretty much all Nick Khan and Frank Riddick. And at one point, Paul Levesque uh, chimed in a, a time or two as well. But it was it was a pretty straightforward call. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I was left with many uh, thoughts as well that I will uh, discuss with Brandon uh, in thorough. So that will be Thursday here on the Post YouTube channel at 1 p.m. Eastern time. ESPN reports that... WWE has signed uh, Tamira Mensah-Stock. She won the gold medal in freestyle wrestling at the Tokyo Olympics uh, that were held in 2021. She appeared at SummerSlam uh, last year as well, um, well, two years ago at this point now, and uh, has also been, you know, done, done appearances with, with WWE in the past. So she is retiring from amateur wrestling. She is 30 years of age. So, you know, it's not uh, not as though it is like too late to be starting this. Uh, especially of someone of, of this caliber of athlete, but she was reporting to the PC on Monday this week to take like her first bump. Like she is starting as fresh as you possibly can. And her goal is to be on the main roster within one year. So we'll see. I mean, you definitely, I think having that, that background is a huge positive, but it's, it's still a different world and you don't know who's going to connect and who's going to get it uh, versus those that are fans of it. But once you're actually doing it and you're not doing it in front of 50,000 people, you're doing it in a gym and and how you're going to take to that day after day. It's there's always um, th there's a gamble, but certainly you can see the the upside of the WWE if they can get a, an Olympic gold medalist onto their television that has tons of charisma, tons of personality um, that they, they would want to market. I, I haven't seen her like do interviews or anything like, like that. Is she known to have a big personality? She's she's very personable, like very, very good in like interview settings. She's obviously like a, a fan. Um, I Mark Ramondi interviewed her like it didn't come across to me like she's like some giant fan, but knows the rock and seems very excited to be doing this. But I, again, like you're knows the rock in, is is hardly. Well, I know. I know that's that, that's more of a OK, that's that's the barometer there. Um, hopefully she knows Ava Rain and doesn't make that mistake of uh mm. Have you heard of The Rock? Yeah, he's my father, yeah, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's great to sign as many Olympians as, as you can. Of course, you know, just having that pedigree and just having that work ethic attached to, um, you know, an athlete. I mean, putting, like, adjusting their skills and physical abilities and that level of determination into professional wrestling. I mean, it's, it, I think it's a recipe for success. But in professional wrestling, I would say as good as you can be in ring. I mean, it's your personality that really matters the most, I would say, more than, you know, your in-ring ability. Um, so I I hope um, she turns out well. Um, and who at this point do you, th do you think will make their debut first? Uh, the, uh, Tamira Mensah-Stock or Gable Stevenson? At this point, um I would be leaning more towards uh, Tamira Menza stock because Gable Stevenson is not even doing matches on television at, at this point. He's off doing amateur wrestling. Like for all we know, he could, he could enter the the Olympics next year. And mm. if he's going back to the Olympics next year, he's not focusing on professional wrestling. Mm. So maybe it'll just be Damon Kemp that uh, can't even take the family name into professional wrestling. This can be Kemp. Uh, Trinity Fatu was on Busted Open Radio on uh, today and spoke about the decision to go to Impact. And throughout all this time, she has not spoken about leaving WWE, but we got as much of an explanation from her in this interview. 
just stating that I left that day, that being the, the raw that her and Mercedes Renato left. I left that day because of the way I was talked to and handled. Everything broke me that day. It had nothing to do with anything else or anybody else. That was just it. I had to, uh, in refer reference to leaving. So not getting too specific, but it was essentially like just felt ultimately sounded like disrespected. And that was it. It was her boiling point and also revealing that she had wor worked with a torn labrum that last year in WWE. So during this time off over the last year, she did get shoulder surgery and then did well, her debut with Impact that will air tomorrow night, and then her match with Kylan King will air, I believe, the following week. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm surprised that you know she didn't go back to the WWE because I think of the options. If you weren't necessarily going to AEW, I I don't know if if for her career, for her exposure, for the amount of money that she would be able to make, I don't know if she'd be able to do better than the WWE. But there's a lot more than just money, especially when it comes to respect and how you were treated. Um, and clearly this was a big enough deal for her and perhaps, you know, to Mercedes as well, that it was enough for her to leave and look for opportunities elsewhere. Um, if we can all remember, you know, the way that they addressed the Sasha Banks, Naomi departures on television. And I have to suspect that that might be a part of the, the disrespect that she's in, referring to. Um, and, you know, oftentimes that matters a whole lot more than money. Yeah, I mean, that statement was just so, um, just such a low blow. Um, I just read it today, though. Like, they didn't feel comfortable in the ring with some of the people in the match. Just, just mm -hmm. the way they painted them. And then on television, on top of it, it was a really bad look. I think you also have to look at, at WWE and what is what is their policy at the moment of bringing in performers that are not Olympic gold medalists at the beginning level. Like, it seems... You know, it's you you did have this timeline where Mercedes Renato's contract with uh, Bushi Road was going to be up at this most recent stardom show. And then she signed the extension that the two of them could have gone essentially where wherever at this point. Uh, Trinity did state in the, in the interview, for whatever it's worth, she said that the doors are open for her everywhere, whatever you want to take uh, that hmm. to be. But, you know, it seems like she loved it in Impact last week and. Uh, that will be where, where she is for at least the uh, the near future. Don, Wrestling Dontaku today. Sellout of 4,489 at the Fukuoka International Center. Three title changes on this show, but not in the main event as Sonata retained the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship over Hiromu, winning with his new finisher, the Deadfall. And then after, as just five guys were celebrating in the ring, Yoda Suji made his return from excursion after two years um, where he's been uh, working in RevPro and CMLL comes out and he had been the subject of all the, uh, the coming soon vignettes. And he laid out just five guys, hoist up the title. And of a year where we have gotten some main events in New Japan that you like this being a perfect example, like Sonata and Hiromu headlining a show in Fukuoka. Well, it looks like we're going to get Sonata and Yoda Suji uh, in a IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match in the near future as he lifted up the title and also did the LIJ fist pose. So that would suggest that he is going to be LIJ bound uh, on top of it. But I love this, like New Japan, it just seemed to be like, it was like uh, Supreme Court judges where once you got your main event spot, you were there for as long as you wanted it. And now they have shaken things up. There is a rocket that they have attached to certain talents to get them up. And they are bringing Yoda Suji back. 
in a main event position. And I, I think it has reinvigorated New Japan significantly. It's very exciting. You know, just even again, as somebody who just kind of casually steps in and just listens to a lot of the results and of course the, the great reviews that are uh, taking place on the site. Um, I, I think it's really exciting just to kind of see, especially whenever you have a young line come back with a fresh direction. I mean, how many have we gone through that have just been kind of firmly inserted into the mid card with, you know, Master, somebody, Wato. Master Wato, the great Ocon. Um, I think Suji is, uh, you know, a heavyweight and um, immediately feels credible for that reason. I think the look is really good when it, when he comes back when he just um you know did that re-debut and uh i think inserting him as part of lij i mean are automatically kind of like you know gives you a big story to tell with the sonata challenge so i i think it's an interesting fresh direction that they've got of the title changes that we did see david finley won the never open weight title from tamatonga but maybe not in the fashion you expected because he destroyed tamatonga i mean this wasn't quite like Brock Lesnar, John Cena level, but it wasn't far off. He hit him with four power bombs, and given the new serious character, he has renamed the Trash Panda finisher into Oblivion is the new name, and he gave him three of those and was just toying with them. Like he would count two, lift them up, do it again, lift them up, and then on the third one pins him. Like this was an utter destruction of a baby face, and David Finley winning in as uh, – significant fashion as you could program him and Tamatong is taken out on the stretcher um very rare you see a heel go over like like this in such fashion but but again it's wonderful right you know as part of the new japan cup it was like two guys that um were really the 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 big project and that was sonata and that was also david finley finley didn't win the tournament but he comes out of it with a really really strong win over a giant so or over Tamatonga, i should say kazuchika okada won a title that has eluded him, the never open weight six-man tag titles. He has never won it, but he did with Tanahashi and Tomohiro Ishii beating Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Ren Narita. This match was great. They each paired off with one another. You got Ishi, uh, you got Okada and Narita for a good portion. You had Tanahashi and Minoru Suzuki, which was so great. Minoru Suzuki just... He like fakes to the face and then punches him in the ribs. And then he's drilling the elbow into the injured ribs of Tanahashi. It was such great work. And then you had Ishii and Desperado. Everyone was just great with their pairing. And it ended with Okada with Narita hitting the landslide and Rainmaker. And as they are holding their newly won titles, Shota Umino comes out to confront the new champions. And he wants to come for them. And he plays a video of John Moxley, the boogeyman, who is coming back to Japan for Dominion on June the 4th. This will be his first appearance in Japan since February of 2020. And uh, conventional wisdom would suggest they're going to have a third partner, maybe a Wheeler Yuta, somebody else in the BCC, to challenge Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii, which sounds like an awesome match. Um, but then you had Umino giving words to Okada, and then Okada gives him the middle finger and says, fuck you, young boy. Ooh. Ouch. Chris Charlton said, well, no need to translate that one. So gr- great setup, great match, great setup, and a big match to come for these never open weight six-man titles that th- these titles have never meant more than this moment, which is not saying much, but they uh, certainly feel like big championships at the moment. And then Hikuleo beat Kenta to win the strong open weight title with his chokeslam, God Sends. And we also got a setup uh, on the undercard. So uh, coming up, maybe at Dominion, 
It will be Aussie Open, Bishimon, and House of Torture for the IWGP tag titles. So this is a very entertaining show. Lively crowd. Uh, again, it was a sellout. Just under 4,500 people uh, that they had in Fukuoka. So it was, uh, I thought I thought a very good show. Uh, even the undercard, they kept the like House of Torture match was under four minutes. I mean, music to my ears when it was... 5:45 in the morning and I was watching this I was like thank you that was uh, that was all that was needed but um yeah I I thought the, the the main event was it was very good with Sonata and Hiromu I wouldn't say it was Hiromu's best match this year he's had some better uh, junior heavyweight matches but the angle was very strong with Yota Suji um six man very strong match as well and uh Finley and Tonga just very different based on how solid they went with uh, David Finley in this one and as I alluded to, right now in the Post Wrestling Cafe, we have a full review of Wrestling Duntaku from Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord, uh, one of our most popular pairings right now of hosts. So you can find that out uh, right now at postwrestlingcafe.com and video.postwrestling.com. We have uh, raw ratings from Monday. They did a million seven hundred and seventy-eight thousand viewers and a point five four in the demo, fifth on cable behind the NBA and the NHL. So they were down from. Uh, to their lowest since mid-March. So they did get hurt going against uh, primarily uh, the the NBA. But this was uh, a show that just didn't have the usual jump in the in the second hour that other weeks have had, which I guess you would be a little disappointed uh, based on the draft. But at the same time, uh, they are still up way significantly from where they were this time last year. So I think finishing fifth, fine number maybe a bit disappointing after you did such a big number for the draft on friday um but overall it was i would categorize as maybe like an average if slightly below average number nxt did five hundred and sixty-eight thousand viewers on tuesday a 0.14 um and this was going against the miami heat and new york knicks that did uh, 4.7 million viewers and the toronto maple leafs and florida panthers that did 1.3 million viewers and they were down 12% in viewers, 22% in the demo. But essentially, this was a normal range for NXT. It was just spring break and was so high last week that the the drop-off was pretty significant. But they were virtually equal to the number they did two weeks ago. And I was very interested in this show because when you added it all up, there were 18 performers called up to the main roster from NXT. Like, it is a, I won't say like a complete, um, uh, rebranding of nxt but it's it's a pretty significant number of people that are leaving the brand and some very key names as well and this is the first one under a a, a levesque regime so i i think it maybe is um more showing that this is the function of what a performance center should be like uh, some you know not keeping talents in there for years and just letting them you know either sit or just take part in storylines that ultimately should be reserved for other people that are coming up they're pushing them up to the main roster and actually giving them chances so um but they're still they're they're calling them up we will see i think that's a big number to bring up and while i'm not too concerned about a grayson waller i mean everyone comes with a, a gamble but to me, like an Odyssey Jones, a Zion Quinn, like certainly they'll probably get a chance because of their size. But right. like that, that's a lot of I, I can't imagine that Indashir and Jinder Mahal are going to be these uh, like that's just a lot of names that are coming up. And there's not going to be spots for 18 different people, much less the other talent they're pushing. I guess you could even argue where there are really spots for them in NXT. I mean, yeah. NXT is getting pretty crowded right now. And and I, I wouldn't be all that concerned with, with the loss of 18 
roster members because it just means you know more but time some for- of these people that got called up like they haven't been on nxt television right so. yeah so maybe it just kind of tells you hey like we like the size they they might be more successful in the main roster than they are in nxt so it's more time for guys like you know an, an Ilya Dragunov or a dragon lee maybe nxt signs the free agents von wagner and zion quinn what's maybe up with this in- free agency i mean you know like are they actually going going to appear on tv or are they going to be hunting for spots or could know. they show I- up in nxt yeah, I mean, even with Dolph Ziggler, that feels like a retread at this point after he did the yeah. NXT victory lap. Right. Um, some other notes from NXT. The show closed with Indy Hartwell vacating the women's title, and she she cl- uh, classified her injury as a high ankle sprain. So that's that's better than what it, what it could have been. So hopefully yeah. it's not too long-term of an injury. But, um, yeah, they're going to do a tournament, and the second she put the belt down, every woman employed <laughs> – by this company jumped for that belt and they all just brawled to end the show. It's like they, they knew this was going to happen. And what does a uh, holding on to the championship mean? Um, what does touching the championship mean? Uh, you, you gain its powers, of course. <laughs> um, you know, like in hindsight, again, like we can maybe debate about like sort of those gutsy performances and like how much we should be commending, um, wrestlers for like you know potentially doing more damage to themselves but hey man it it worked out it worked out for everybody involved like indy got you couldn't have asked for a better send-off for an indy hartwell even if she had, did have like a you know a, a really great match like if she if she ended up not getting injured and having a standard match i mean this sort of send-off is almost that much more memorable and maybe that much more powerful and um you open the doors for a new tournament for somebody else to you know rightfully earn a championship rather than perhaps if they just called an audible and had tiffany stratton win it last week she feels like she has a bit of momentum behind her totally. and she goes to this main roster. It's going mm-hmm. to be a question if she can make that transition. It's n- number one, there's just the the depth of where is Indy Hartwell in comparison. And it's also, and you've pointed this out many times, like this, this women's division, it's not like it's being booked in tremendous fashion. They yeah. need, desperately need to be creating opponents for Rhea and Bianca Belair. You've got all these names, but how many would you classify as being over? And I would say they've done a pretty good job with Zelina Vega, but that's a that's a short term fix for this show this weekend. But it shows you that they can, if they choose to focus on somebody, you know, put put them book push a pay review in someone's home city, and that's what you should do. Every <laughs> sir, I, so they uh, for Indy, they just have to go to Australia. Yeah, um, who's um, do they have any women from Saudi Arabia? I mean, not to my knowledge, and I don't know if Mansoor is is exa- exactly going to get a huge push. But um, I, I would I, actually I don't know. I don't know how uh, quickly they're taking creative pitches for Mansoor after last week. Maybe they'll just uh, hmm. yeah, have everyone know. vet their ideas first before they say what comes to their their mind. <laughs> That's it. But you know, in the case of Indy, I, I actually think she presents like a boost to not just herself by being up on the main roster, but to Dexter, to to Johnny, and to to Candice as well. I mean, and that all was... four of them need something. So if they put them together, I don't look at it as like just playing the greatest hits. They they need something. Um, yeah. All of them. Uh, J.D. McDonough and Dragon Lee had an awesome match on television. And they had J.D. McDonough give Dragon Lee his first loss on NXT and set up Dragon Lee with Noam Dar coming out of that. Isla Dawn and Elba Fire retain the tag titles over Katana Chance and Caden Carter. So they have the titles as they go to uh, where are they Smackdown. going? Raw? Smackdown? Okay. So they've got these titles for now. Maybe they come back and drop them at Battleground or 
Um, they they can rename them. They can rename them the SmackDown Women's Tag Titles. Why not? Sure. You can rename titles. We'll have well, a third we'll set of. A, yeah, sure. Um, the the other notes were um, nothing for Grayson Waller, nothing for Pretty Deadly. Uh, I guess Pretty Deadly got they couldn't really do a goodbye for them after last week. I, I, yeah, I, I think seeing them in the PC was like maybe non-story, non-storyline. That was out of the universe. Um, in the universe, they're dead. And Sol Ruka, torn ACL, as she confirmed, and underwent surgery. So that is unfortunate. That's, you know, typical torn ACL. You're looking at six to eight months. So mm-hmm. that's uh, probably the timeline that she is looking at. And uh, before we wrap up, it is Golden Week in Japan. So every company is running big cards beyond uh, New Japan. Uh, DDT had a big show on Wednesday. On Thursday, uh, Noah has a card with Jake Lee defending the GHC title against Naomichi Marafuji. And the match that Wei is going to be watching, Masakatsu Fanaki against Shinya Aoki. Wow. Who would have thought okay. that would be happening on a Noah card in 2023? Pretty um, awesome. Sure. We'll probably have Josh Barnett on commentary for as well. Wow. So okay. That's the Noah hook. Stardom is back because the rule is 11 days is too long to go without a pay-per-view. So they are back with their Fukuoka Goddess Legend Show with Mina Shirakawa defending the Wonder of Stardom title she just won against Natsupoi and... This is my one thing with stardom is that obviously this must work because they do it so often, but there is a criticism of just how many pay-per-views this company runs. And by pay-per-views, you mean separate from stardom world. Yeah. It's the same deal as the last show where three to four days later, it's up on stardom world. But my, I've always looked at it though. It's that I I feel for, for some of these shows, it's just, it's a, it's a short term. Yes. Will, will some people buy these shows? Yes. But I think for the long term, you want people in the habit of watching your big shows. And to me, it would be like next Wednesday asking people, how interested are you in watching backlash some four nights later? Like it will be out of sight, out of mind by Monday morning for most people. And right. anyway, nonetheless, it's, th- this is their format that they do. I just think it's, it's something as, if you are somebody that just found stardom last weekend and watched this incredible show, and then you're coming back and it's, here's another pay-per-view. It's to me, it's like you, you create these walls. I think sometimes yeah. when it comes to expanding your company and I would want to make accessibility a, a big part of my, my marketing to my audience is that, you know, it's, it's not this hard to access product. I recognize that it, it's a tough decision to make because this is sort of like the the argument that we've always had when it comes to the WWE and them going the network route with all their pay per views, putting everything on 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 the network. Mm-hmm. And you know you can you can't go back now. You know you you can't go back to charging fifty bucks or sixty bucks for a pay per view after you've done that. Um, you know, my, my for stardom, I mean, they have a very dedicated fan base that is probably likely to purchase all these shows. But when you're in the t- talk of expanding to a more casual audience at this point, you're kind of caught, you know, you're, you're kind of caught between maybe, you know, relying on your hardcore base. That's willing to pay 50 bucks a month for all these shows and trying to get the interest of a casual who's only willing to spend maybe $10 a month. So what's sort of the, you know, uh, what, what are the crossroads there and what, what's the, what's the balancing act? It's a balance. I just look at it from sort of the psychology of someone that just got into this, maybe spent the money on that pay-per-view and here's the next show and I think a lot of people are going to say, I just spent all this. I'm going to skip this one. And once you introduce skipping shows for people, that's when you lose them. I think right. you have that window to bring people in. And when you put up like paywalls, it 
it can become tough. But I also I understand the other side of it as well. Mm. It's not just a right or wrong uh, idea for them. But that's happening on Thursday. And in all Japan, their champion carnival is winding down. Shitaro Ashino won the B block over the weekend. So the A block final is on Thursday. It's essentially down to Kento Miyahara and T-Hawk, who each have eight points. Ryuka Honda also has eight, and he's taking on Jun uh, Saito. But Honda lost to both Miyahara and T-Hawk. And this is one of the uh, All Japan Logic uh, tournaments where the main event is not going to end in a no contest where the two guys get zero points. I mean, 99.9% sure that is not going to happen. So I'm pretty sure this is going to come down to Miyahara and T-Hawk, and the winner takes on uh ashino on the on is it sunday sunday is the final i believe so that's what we've got uh as well as satoshi kojima against cyrus not don Callis, and yoshitatsu against yuma aoyagi in the uh, final uh, tournament matches and then the winner of the carnival gets to challenge yuji nagata for the uh, triple crown and uh, nagata's working the show on thursday with ashino against minoru suzuki and hokuto omori which should be a fun tag match that they have uh coming up and the last thing to note is UFC 288 this Saturday. Phil Chertok and Eric Marcotte will have a post show on Sunday morning here on the YouTube channel and available to download. The big fight is Aljamain Sterling defending the bantamweight title against Henry Cejudo, who is an Olympic gold medalist that the WWE was interested in at one point to bring in. And they were going to make him Mighty Mouse. And he thought, you know what? Maybe I'm going to go the UFC direction instead. And he became a two-division champion, retired in May of 2020. And this is his comeback after three years, challenging Sterling for the bantamweight title. It's a very good fight. Cejudo is now 36 years old. You could argue he probably should not have taken three whole years off because this was a retirement no one believed. And the fact that it lasted three years was longer than most th- thought. And those are prime years. But we're going to see um, you know, where his wrestling is. His striking had also progressed pretty significantly as well. This is the guy that ended Demetrius Johnson's long reign, but Aljamain Sterling has uh, turned into just an incredible fighter. He won this title under very controversial circumstances where, where Piotr Jan hit him with an illegal knee and he got disqualified and therefore Sterling won the title by disqualification and everyone uh, railed on this guy for not being a deserving champion. And then he outclassed Jan in their rematch and then his latest defense was the fight with TJ Dillashaw, where after the fight, everyone learned TJ Dillashaw's shoulder was a mess and he had no business being in that fight. So he's had a, a complicated title reign. And then Bilal Muhammad, who observes Ramadan, accept, accepted this fight. So not, not the best time to be uh, jumping into a five-round fight against Gilbert Burns, who just fought four weeks ago uh, in a five-round fight with Jorge Masvidal. They will be meeting and there very well could be a welterweight title fight for the winner uh, coming out of this. Uh, Muhammad is unbeaten in his last nine fights. And uh, yeah, Burns just fought on April the 8th. So the question here will be uh, undertraining versus overtraining. And one guy observing Ramadan, which does not add up to a high performance athlete that needs everything of his body for potentially five rounds that they agreed to here on short notice. Those are like, it's like a really strange like backstory for a fight, but it, it kind of I mean, makes This is like a, the squid odds. game of MMA. Yeah, day. it's really interesting actually. Yeah. Hmm. So that's coming up on, on Saturday. A decent card. Um, they lost Bryce Mitchell from the main card, but um, there are some good fights on, on this show uh, that are happening. But tonight we have Dynamite to discuss. Um, uh, we should mention on the site as well, Karen and Bruce, 
Way mentioned they have their review of Wrestling Dontaku for Post Wrestling Cafe members. And on Thursday, Bruce Lord is going to be in studio with Way and I to review the Cruiserweight Classic Final from 2016, which wouldn't you, wouldn't you bet was days after CM Punk lost his UFC debut to Mickey Gall. So we will be talking all about the news that week, including CM Punk's UFC 203 fight with Mickey Gall. There's always a Punk check-in whenever we do one of these Rwanda ways, right? What has CM Punk been doing? What if we go back to like a 1990 show, you know? Like, will we talk about CM Punk? His Well, our next one is Dream Slam 2 in 93. And I'm getting ready to see like uh, Phil Brooks sent in like a letter to the editor of The Observer that week. (laughs) And we're going to have something CM Punk related from 1993. Uh, I I can't wait. Sure. Rewind to SmackDown. We will be live at 10 p.m. Eastern. I think we're going to be live at 10 forever because Rampage I don't think is ever going back to, to 10 p.m. Uh, Rampage is at 6.30. It will be touch and go. I would like to watch the firm deletion. I just yeah. don't know if I will have the time to, to do so. So um, if not, we will uh, take your feedback on the firm deletion because I, I think there's a curiosity to see how they, they pull that one off. I think it's one of the biggest things they've had on Rampage um, in quite some time. So I'll, I'll try to make time for it for sure. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, into Dynamite at the CFG Bank Arena in Baltimore, Maryland on Wednesday. We started with the eight-man tag, including Roderick Strong's debut with AEW, teaming with Adam Cole, Bandito, and Orange Cassidy against Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, Matt Menard, and Angelo Parker. And Jericho came out wearing the Britt Baker shirt, taunting Adam Cole, who was furious, and then Jericho joined commentary. And... Roderick Strong, number one, very over in Baltimore. And dude, this guy got his TV tan ready for Wednesday night. Listen, come on. You're on national TV. He just he just hit the bake, bake time unlimited and just fell mm. asleep in there. So there's a standoff in the center with all eight, and then they got the heat on Orange Cassidy for a long time. Cole is trying to go for Jericho, and Menard and Parker stopped him on the ramp. Uh, Bandito used his uh, delayed visa on Parker and then Menard stops it and Bandito ends up suplexing both Menard and Parker and then they drag Orange Cassidy to their corner and this is where he's fighting and fighting his way back and they continue to tell the story of how beaten down this guy is and in comes Roderick Strong awesome hot tag here from Roderick angle slam uh, and then it was like Orange Cassidy was beaten down for like an hour Roderick comes in, hits like a move or two, and then he tags Orange Cassidy back in. He's like, get back to work here. Um, This is like Bilal Muhammad in the fifth round on Saturday. Like, he's just probably like, oh, man, give me a break here. Uh, Orange Punch is hit to Hager, and then a beach break on Garcia generates a two count, and then Roderick hits the flying knee, sets up the last shot by Adam Cole to win in 14 minutes and 19 seconds. A really great eight-man tag, and uh, Roderick Strong, I mean, a strong debut. Sorry. 
Yes, yes. It's hard to avoid when you have a name like that, right? Um, I thought he looked really good, you know, in his debut match. I would have almost expected him to get the win here with the final pinfall. But, you know, clearly the more important thing was to tell the story of Adam Cole and how he couldn't wait to get his hands on Chris Jericho up at the commentary desk. And I thought that provided like a really nice little gimmick. I mean, throughout the match, you have this like visible king sitting at his throne on the commentary table. And you have the rest of the JS members basically providing obstacles, keeping Cole away. And as soon as... He was, I mean, he was desperate to get the pinfall so he could clear the way to get to Jericho. As soon as he got the one, two, three, ran straight up there. So I, I thought that was really well done. He must have sprinted because he mm-hmm. got the three count and I go looking down to type and I look up and he's on top of Jericho. I was like, did he fly? He got oh, yeah. there in record time. And Teleported. he just, I thought it was a great scene that they had mm-hmm. where he just takes Jericho down. Jericho was such a coward. It was, uh, I thought both were great. This was the the intensity you wanted out of Adam Cole. Um, very good stuff from, from these two. I, I thought this was, uh, I, I like this personally more than the, the setup angle uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I thought the, the angle for me at my taste was, was a little bit contrived and, and a little bit sort of a little two stage, but I mean, it, it provided a reason for Cole to be bi- this pissed off and, and to, you know, uh, amplify his level of aggression. And, and everything thus far afterwards has been really good. And they're probably selling tons of those shirts. If it's still on sale, I thought it was taken off. Was it taken off? The the Britt Baker one? Yeah. I thought I, I, I haven't really been following the controversy. I just I just know Fox Fox News wrote, wrote a, you know. Very angry article article about it. Um, mm. I don't really chat room. Let us know that they, they can you still buy that shirt? Okay, I, I I don't I don't see the controversy, but um, I don't it, either. It'd be a hot seller. Renee interviewed Darby Allen and Jack Perry, and they note they've both been here since day one, which I guess would go for their opponents too, right? Um, it's like that's that's kind of like we're sorry, all who, on who's equal this? footing here. This is Jack Perry and Darby Allen. Yeah, I mean, what's I guess Darby was kind of signed slightly after. I I don't know what what day one really means anymore. I think it means the the press conference, right? The, the Vegas uh, press is conference. is that is that your initiation, the Jacksonville press conference? And the two have never headlined a pay per view, but they're going to headline Double or Nothing. And Darby says one of them is leaving with the title. It's showtime. Security so then. Rem- Adrian says that the shirt is still on their website. Okay, so you can still uh, pick it up. Security removes Adam Cole from the arena as Jericho demands he be taken away, and Britt Baker throws a fit and slaps Jericho, who bumps off of this slap. And Baker calls this ridiculous that Adam Cole is being thrown out of the building. Yeah. Yeah, no, those shirts are going to sell really well, I bet. (laughs) We go to the stairwell, the BCC stairwell, and there is uh, Brian Danielson and... Talks about a wrestling legend stating he was the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. How egotistical to say that there will never be someone better than you. (laughs) I was like, already, this is great. And he says that uh, one of these men are, or said he came along and he was better. And if it wasn't him, one of these other men would be. And I know, this being Danielson, that those in the future will be better than me. And I hope that Wheeler Yuta is better because the BCC wants to push people to be better than us and AEW to be the best wrestling company ever. And we will do anything to make that happen. 
sounded like a fair, very fair mission statement to have. I mean, you can you can disagree with the guy, but like th- those are some some core values I can be on board with. This made Brett seem co- like quite the heel, actually. It's like, okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, that's right. You know what, Brett? Like maybe the best there is, the best there was, and the top fifteen there ever will be. Like that's a that's a that's a very humble humble statement, isn't it? Be a bit more truthful, maybe. Sure. Moxley says that they are blades looking for pieces of iron to sharpen one another. And we are sharpening the elite. You should thank us. We are not bullies. And there was a time when the elite was innovative and cutting edge, but he's not so sure now. And he will have his cage match with Omega next next week. And he's got a lot of new tools. And there's a new version of John Moxley to show Kenny Omega. And he's going to find out what the 2023 version of Omega is all about. And I'm going to leave one hell of a mark. Both these promos I thought were pretty awesome. Really, both of them. I mean, um, since Brian has spoken up more, maybe we've heard Moxley a little less. But this was one where both of them got equal time to really shine. And both of them I thought were really stellar. Um, Maybe we could be looking a, a bit deeper into Brian's words. I mean, they do have the Owen Cup happening soon. Could we see an, an answer from Bret Hart? to this uh, uh, BCC promo from Brian Danielson. We also know, of course, uh, there are a few very big Bret Hart fans on that roster, one of which uh, is rumored to be returning. So is this a tease of maybe a future program down the road with perhaps an FTR and a CM Punk? To, to inject Bret Hart, it certainly opens it up for that mm-hmm. involvement at, at some point. Also had Brian you know, mention him being the best in the world, best wrestler in the world. Right now. Yeah, I, I think that's a great story of like uh, uh, Danielson in the the Owen Hart Cup. Ooh, that'd be great. Any of and, those guys. And promising that I am going to win this Owen Hart Cup and take it to my trainer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Soraya is accompanied by the outcasts against Willow Nightingale. This whole match was... Uh, Tony Storm and Ruby So like this is every outcast match of just distracting the referee who's got to be a fool this being Paul Turner so they could attack Willow from behind and Willow has to try and overcome she is hit with the nightcap which is the former turn the page you know when you have a name like page turner page turner was it the page turner or turn the page okay I think it was the page turner but sure whatever okay when you have a name like that the the names just like fly off the like there's so many yeah so Rhea is a bit tougher, though. Yeah. Isn't it? Like when you have a hold called the Rampage, and now it's good night. <laughs> that was like, hey, Soraya, it's the deadline. We need a name for this. Yeah. Good night. That's all I've got. Where we'll go with it. Good I night. mean, a bit a bit better than um Malachi Black's spitting, spitting back wheel kick. Back heel kick. <laughs> he he just gives them it's the been like a year when they ask him. Uh, Willow lifted her up for a DVD, but Tony Storm distracted and Ruby comes in, gets the pounce and then uh, Storm is knocked down by Willow. But this allows Soraya to hit good night in six minutes and 38 seconds. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was just a match. I didn't think this was anything special. It was tons of interference and then a bigger angle post match. Yeah, yeah. I, I really haven't been too inspired by by the heel antics uh, of the outcast. It seems like awfully generic, you know sort of pro wrestling heel. Um, but Willow continues to really impress again, like with her limited appearances, she always manages to just get this crowd on her side in a big way. And for somebody who hasn't been on TV 
uh, at least that frequently and somebody with the lack of story and a lack of promo time. I mean, if they really did decide to push her at some point, like she could go really far. Like she's somebody that I think could be a future franchise player if they wanted to make her that. So I just hope they, they don't really squander it because she's just kind of been, at least on AEW, not really doing a whole lot. Well, the outcasts continue to attack when Hikaru Shida makes her return and she's got her kendo stick and she gets into the ring, but then aligns with the outcasts and everyone is shocked but then Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter appear and it is revealed that it's a ploy. Sheeta is with Baker and Hayter and spray paints Soraya in the face and attacks them with a kendo stick and then spray paints the outcasts and uh, a pretty big angle here. And Tony Schiavone reflects at first we were heartbroken, but it was a swerve. It was a swerve. You could use swerve in, in sort of a, you know, kayfabe sense as well. Were you heartbroken? Oh, a little bit. Of, of course, you know, seeing a Carl Sheeta, she's an AEW original. If you, I'm sure you could consider that. I, I thought this was a good reintroduction to Sheeta. You know, she she fully joins the side, side of the originals um, and just kind of gives you something memorable. The House of Black, they put down their belts on the floor and they state that there is a reminder that people get away with murder in this company and others. Get punished. Who's gotten away with murder? Who's killed? On NXT, people get away with murder, but in AEW, have, have people true. died? That's true. Um, has anyone been killed in AEW? Hmm. No, I don't think they've killed anybody. Impact, people die. Impact, people die all the time. That's how you leave the company. That's true. how you move on. Right. Hmm. Well, they are now introducing the open house. Where you get to book a time, you get to go to see Malachi Black's... Uh, his home. <laughs> Do you need a realtor? Um, yes. Pre-approved mortgage. Yeah. Um, yeah. His finisher. That's that's going to be the, the name of his new finisher. Mortgage. The fixed rate. Sure. Yes. Okay. So the rules are for these trios matches is that uh, any three people can have a shot, but we're going to have 20 second count outs, no rope escapes, and the most insane rule in an AEW match, the DQ will be enforced. <laughs> now, that, that's a I game was, changer. I was a little confused because they said, what, dealer's choice? Like, what, what, what is that supposed to mean? They DQ said, was enforced. They said dealer's something about choice. dealer's choice picks the rules. And I thought that was just a reflection on we're, we're the dealers. We get to pick the rules. And that's what we're doing here. These what does that have to do rules. with the DQ? A DQ will be enforced. Right, but d- does the dealer in this case, how, the House of Black, do they get to dictate what constitutes a DQ? Um, I didn't read that. that, that so what does that? Real... What does that mean? Then they just get to pick the. the you can't do run-ins. You can't do uh, stuff behind the ref's back. I guess I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see how uh, the first match plays out before I guess we we fully understand. But I like this a lot. I mean, it's a callback to like Raven's rules and and just any sort of like wrestler with a gimmick where they. They have anytime you face that particular wrestler or, or wrestlers, you wrestle a different match type. I like this a lot. It gives you something special and adds a bit of a signature to this House of Black trios run. Yeah, we will see how this works. And it's uh, they should do this on television before the pay-per-view. Just establish mm-hmm. the concept. Totally. And I'm assuming they couldn't go with the name House Rules because of the uh, the live events. 
House rules would have been perfect for this, wasn't wouldn't it? Better than yeah, open I house. think they even they even called it the house rules at one point in this promo, but the beginning oh, it was wow. the open house. Okay, so well, I, yeah, let's see. Maybe they're just gonna double dip on on that trademark. The Trace de Mayo Battle Royale. So we have six trios teams: the Lucha Brothers and Vikingo, Hobbs with Aaron Solo and QT Marshall, the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Butcher, Blade, and Kip Sabian, the Dark Order, and the odds-on favorite, the Varsity Athletes. So Max Caster comes out, raps about uh, blowing up like a drone at the Kremlin. The Q in QT Marshall standing for QAnon. And it's a year later, Dark Order still doesn't have a black friend, and the acclaim draws more money than uh, quarterback Lamar Jackson. Sorry, I... I don't watch football. Okay. Bowens and uh, Penta Scissor. And I only bring this up because this led to a Grand Nanawa reference by Excalibur. I mean, it was Penta doing the, the Sierra Miedo and then Penta or, or uh, Bowens ended up scissoring the M. Well, it was a, a match Lover. made in heaven here. Great sure they, they had the spot thought out for months before Maybe. they could finally sure. do it in the Tres de Mayo Battle Royale. Uh, there are a bunch of eliminations here. Um, Hobbs caught Vikingo. He Hobbs got rid of Phoenix, Penta, and Vikingo uh, before he just run ran at the acclaimed, missed them, and ran over the top. So he had this like unstoppable monster who then went like Sean Stasiak at the end of this thing. Butcher eliminates Caster off the turnbuckle, and then it comes down to Butcher, Blade, and Kip. Their team is intact with Anthony Bowens and the Iron Man Billy Gunn. So Bowens throws Blade out. Then he goes after the other two, and Bowens does the Shawn Michaels hanging on to the rope when he's thrown over. And Taz, I mean, the best analyst in pro wrestling, explains how good of a grip he has from all that scissoring. And that Gunn and <laughs> Bowens manage double famousers and toss out the Butcher and Kip Sabian and win the match in nine minutes and 24 seconds. So forget your thoughts on this match. The, the point of this battle royale is that we, in 2023, are going to get Billy Gunn in a ring with Malachi Black. We're going to get Billy Gunn in a ring with Buddy Matthews. I I can't wait to watch Billy Gunn in this match. I think the big spot is the two giants with the Billy Gunn and Brody King showdown. You know, who the two monsters of the team. The really. 60-year-old monster, Billy Gunn. Yes. Well, man, like, they 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 protect Billy Gunn, okay? He's not really taking any, any big pinfalls, okay? Like, he is, like, in terms of size, I guess in terms of look, like... He does feel like a threat, I suppose. But yeah, it's pretty crazy. How old is he? He's he's sixty. Uh, I'll tell you, he was. Uh, you know how old Julia Hart was when he won the King of the Ring? Minus two. He's fifty nine. Holy shit! He's fifty nine. I wasn't. Wow. I wasn't exaggerating that much. Oh my god, y'all! He, I mean, he looks like a very special fifty nine year old. Um, that's for sure. So, uh, it's a, it's an interesting move, and I like it. You know, the FTR at this point are. Uh, Babyface champions in the tag team division, so you move the acclaimed over to the trios division with with that the monster himself, Billy Gunn, which I think is a good call. Uh, I think they're good babyface challengers for the House of Black. It, a huge counter in contrast to personality. So, what are those raps going to sound like? I don't know. Maybe Malachi Black will have a comeback. I'd, I'd love to hear a Malachi Black verse, a Black diss track, yeah, a House of Black diss track. Mm-hmm. Next was Renee with Sammy Guevara and MJF walks in and Guevara points out, you know, I watched the show last week. There was no one in that car when you left last week. 
And MJF pretends to cry, stating, I have chronic back pain and I've been carrying this company. I should have been honest. You deserve better. And Guevara just eats this up. He kisses him on the forehead. He's like, I never should have doubted you. And MJF proclaims that you marks are going to be in the mud tonight. And and then mentions that Guevara is going to lay down like a little... And he catches himself, best friend. And they're going to mash their themes together tonight. I know this is a short-term thing, but these two are really good together. Yeah, they they are. I'm still not a fan of this sort of tone for a world championship program. But, I mean, maybe they needed... This was the best option for them to get to where they ultimately got to by the end of the show. Um, they have very much sort of like a Jericho MJF type of chemistry to them as well. And um, yeah, I, I, I guess for tonight's story, it did work. Kenny Omega is with Don Callis and they laugh off the idea of John Moxley having a plan. And Don Callis points to the scar on his head from that that drop a few weeks ago backstage that required 23 stitches. And this is a nasty scar that he has on his on his forehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, states Moxley is a sick and twisted sociopath, and it's all going to come to an end in Detroit next week. And Omega says there is no plan to deal with him. I might make you bleed, and Moxley won't be the last one standing. And then says, I remember what you did to me, what you did to the Bucks, what you did to, K- to Keshta, and what you did to Don. And that made it personal. Omitting... What they did to Hangman Page with the screwdriver. Did not mention him. Hmm. And this will all end next week. Goodbye. Good night. As Excalibur promises us a new level of violence next week. Really? New level? A new level. What does that mean? Limbs Uh, will be chopped off? C4 explosives. Well, we've seen that before. Or we Um, attempted to see that. um, Maybe they'll fight on top of Cobo Hall. That's been done too. Hmm. Detroit, right? Um, I like that. You know, we we are spending the week to promote this match rather than I think what we often see in AEW, and that's just like announcing it on on the internet and then just going right to the, the the big match on TV. Here we get to build some real anticipation for this. It's it's a big match. Anytime you have a Kenny Omega or John Moxley singles match, it's a big deal, and you're putting them together in a cage, and I'm very excited. So, and like they mentioned in the promos, like they're very different from the last time that they met. So. Let's see what happens here. Let's see if we get any big angles. I anticipate this to, you know, ultimately lead to um, either blood and guts or to the announcement of a uh, anarchy in the arena at double or nothing. Um, they should is- announce that match by the end of next week. Like that, the time is there to make. I think they should end the show by next week with their match announced for the pay per view. Is the is the Callus or Takeshita or who whomever turn still in play for ne- for now for next week? What do you think? Um. With your theory that Don Callis has now bled with the BCC and therefore he's been infected, Kenny will probably bleed too, and I, I don't necessarily think he'll he'll be eligible. So we're getting a bloodbath next week. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they're promising it. Wardlow destroyed Logan Larue with a powerbomb symphony in a minute twenty three, and then called out Christian and Luchasaurus for an open challenge for the TNT title. Cage and Luchasaurus came out. Cage wasn't giving Baltimore this match but said that the title shot does not belong to Luchasaurus. It belongs to me. So it looks like we are going Wardlow and Christian instead of Wardlow and Luchasaurus, at least as the first match. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing this is just a setup for the Luchasaurus Wardlow match. Um, keeps the feud moving. I, I don't exactly. I'm not at the level where I'm really excited about either of those matches. I have to say right now, 
I'm curious to see like Wardlow and Cage in a I, like it's a different type of match for for Wardlow and someone that is certainly very capable of getting more out of the guy. So I'm I'm in, I'm more interested to see that than the Luchasaurus one, which they can do at at any time. But it would seem like your pay per view would be Wardlow and Cage. Yeah. Um. I of of the people that are involved in this, I mean, it's the Arn and Cage promo that I think you and I are probably looking forward to the most. And I have to say, like, we haven't really heard a whole lot from Arn. He's building it up. Okay. You don't. You don't. You don't have to just go out every week. The promo. I mean, right. That should be okay. uh, the week. The week of. And then we had the greatest segment. We had Jarrett, Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt going to Sandy Fork, Delaware, where Satnam Singh is in overalls. And if they're not selling Satnam Singh overalls after today, then what is the point of Shop I, AEW? I don't know. I don't. We'll have to ask Grump if they're printing those. They'd be pretty big um, overalls. Um, I wanted the unedited version of this because this felt like they shot all day long and we got like three minutes of it. This must um, have been so much fun. Oh, it looked on. fun. Like, dude, they were all great here. So they show up. And for all these weeks, like, we don't really know what the purpose of this Mark Briscoe involvement is. But we got the answer at the end of this whole thing. And they just show up. And this is this is like the opposite of a, of a Jimmy Garvin being forced to go to David Von Erich's farm and do all his chores. They volunteered to do Mark Briscoe's chores and help him out. So they're working on the farm. And Jarrett is sitting on they're sitting on the porch and Jared's got the guitar and he's about to sing with my baby tonight when they all freeze and making his on-screen appearance is Papa Briscoe. And I was so happy to see this man on my television Mm -hmm. set and he pulls Mark aside and explains, we've known Jay lethal a long time. He's okay, but you keep your eye on the others especially the idiot in the coveralls. And Mark just looks, they're all in coveralls and they're just in the back and Sanjay's dancing. And then they get out of these overalls. They can't wait to get back. This is so awesome. Like these <laughs> visuals are so, look at Jeff Jarrett. Amazing. How could anyone have been negative on this man being on, on your screen? And then they issue a challenge to FTR for the tag titles at double or nothing and casually mention. Hey, Mark, you've beaten FTR. And that all of a sudden, Mark puts it together. That's what these guys want out of me. They want intel on beating FTR. Great segment. I had so oh, much fun watching this. Really, it, really. It could have been longer. Uh, yeah, you, you could have made Rampage this entire thing. You know, do the whole thing from Sandy Fork with, with these five, six. I... First of all, I love just seeing AEW get out of the building, get out of the backstage area, and go on location. Uh, this is, I believe, like you know, four four to five hours away from Baltimore. So, uh, just something that they did in addition to um, just their usual production. It was incredibly effective. I thought the tone of comedy was just perfect, and everybody at this point, I think, has really grown to love what weird comedic chemistry that this group with lethal jared sanjay and sutton have together um and this was them at their best uh, hilarious visuals uh, of them in their overalls and just even ma- you know maintaining a bit of that kayfabe with jared actually knowing how to play guitar and uh that song um and i think mark briscoe plays like a really good lovable sort of like good-natured guy who simply suspects the best in everybody and then you had papa buck not be so naive and in, in, in warning his son Papa um, Briscoe. Papa Buck sorry. will be that, that that's the, <laughs> the other one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this so, is great. 
Yeah, great segment. Really fun. Um, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Juice Robinson and Ricky Starks. So Starks early on, he back body drops Juice on the floor and then climbs up the steps and scoop slams Juice to the floor. And then we uh, and Ricky has got this giant like welt on his back very early on. And then I saw the most frightening looking tornado DDT that I can recall that Ricky executes to juice and the way he torques his neck. I, I thought like he was going to kill juice, giving him this tornado DDT. And I mean, juice got up and continued the match, but there's a period in the middle where it just felt like they were just getting their bearings back together because it felt very clunky after this spot starts, went up to the top and kind of got up for the splash and landed on the knees of juice Juice comes back with the cannonball and then hits a throat thrust and he goes for the juices loose. It's stopped. And then Ricky ducks the clothesline spear and Rochambeau to win the match in nine minutes and 14 seconds. So I thought it it started off with a good intensity. The ending was fine, but to me, the middle um, was very awkward, but that tornado DDT, I was just glad that juice was appeared to be okay. Cause it looked really nasty the way he took it. Hmm, yeah, there were a few spots tonight that uh, yeah. I felt were, were pretty high angle. Um, I, I, I maybe wasn't paying that, that sort of attention to uh, what what possibly could have been maybe uh, what uh, you know uh, somebody getting rocked. Um, I thought the match though was was okay. Um, I, I kind of feel for whatever reason maybe it was due to something else, but I, I just don't know if Juice has really shown me anything that kind of makes him stand out amongst this AEW roster. And I suppose he's sort of been like a fitting role at the moment, kind of playing setup guy for Jay White. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm this bullet club gold thing, you know, my, I think are, are still looking for that hit 10th anniversary today of the bullet club. Right. And well, why, why, why wasn't that pushed? It was pushed on the new Japan show. Not even brought up here. WH took the day off work to celebrate it. <laughs> The biggest fan. Ten years, it flies by. Yeah. He's wearing every shirt. All all, all the ones he owns. Yeah. Jay White attacks Starks, and then they explain that Sean Spears is not here tonight. And then Starks counters the Blade Runner, goes for Rochambeau, but Juice saves Jay White, and he uh, escapes the move. So we can maybe safely assume double or nothing, Jay White versus Ricky Starks? Yes. At this point, I'm imagining we're getting 15 matches at double or nothing based on all the angles that have been set up. So, yeah, that Mm -hmm. sounds about right. Rampage, we have the firm deletion, Mark Briscoe against Preston Vance, Jade Cargo will be in action, and the Lucha Brothers team with Vikingo against Hobbs, QT, and Aaron Solo. And next week in Detroit, it's the Steel Cage match, Orange Cassidy against Daniel Garcia for the international title. So the the destruction of Orange Cassidy continues, and FTR will speak, maybe in overalls. We'll see. Perry and Darby Allen are in the locker room and like they had nothing to say. They were just like, let's go to Perry and Darby for some last words. It was like, they were just there. And then Darby leaves the the room and MJF enters and explains, listen, I told you if you cut the goody two shoes thing, you could be on top of this company. Look what I've done for Sammy Guevara. He's never had more money. He's never been more over, but you're a way better wrestler. So lose the match tonight. Why? Because you're not championship material but you can have a spot next to the throne. And Perry says, I'm not looking for a spot next to the throne. I'm coming for the crown. And then Darby comes back in and he's like, what's going on here? So we have trust issues between Jungle Jack and Darby Allen going into this tag match of epic proportions. 
And that is the main event of the show. And this was in some ways, just a very old school tag match with MJF and Sammy Guevara doing every heel tactic that you could see from just watching old, like (laughs) pick your favorite territory and the top heel tag team. Like that is what they relied on here. And it worked for dude. this scarf. Like it was annoying how they were just doing the stuff behind the ref's back because they do the behind the ref spot stuff so much that they did it here. And then when finally Darby gets the scarf, this place went nuts when he finally started choking Sammy, who had the exaggerated facial expression. And then MJF, they went insane. And Tony's screaming, choke his ass out. Uh, but during the break, uh, well, when they come back, Darby gets the tag. Well, let's talk about during the break because uh, on AEW Plus on fight. Oh, please tell. MJF grabs the microphone during commercial and says, and you tell me if, you know, the Midnight Express or any of the old school tag teams ever uh, said this. MJF said, Maryland is an abortion. This place sucks. (laughs) Sammy, no Max with an abortion. You don't have to deal with it. Unlike this shitty place. Oh, God. There you go. That's some of the, uh, some of the AEW plus, uh, I don't don't think I don't think Material. Stan Lane ever cut that promo in uh in the Carolinas or or mid south <laughs> or anywhere. So from there, uh we come back and so Perry gets the tag and he hits suicide dive to one side, suicide dive to the other side. He goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like it was exhausting just watching this dude. And then Darby's in with the dive to the floor and Jack Perry it's a tiger driver. And maybe this is what you were referring to because dude, mm. he drops Sammy Guevara onto, he takes this all on his neck is what it looked like. This, this was just a nasty landing. This tiger driver. Oh, I felt this. Yeah. One. Same. Yeah. Same. Darby uh, then hits the code red on Guevara tries for one, but MJF counters it into a sit out power bomb. Very nice move. And then MJF gets pulled into the snare trap because he doesn't realize Jack Perry is the legal man, but Guevara saves with a double stomp. MJF and Guevara then do just dude like the fucking they're auditioning for kid street with the, the clap. And then they go for dives. MJF bails as Guevara hits his big dive to the floor. The great spot. And then MJF hits an, a hammerlock impaler DDT for a two count. Guevara with a swan dive to Perry, but MJF, he wants the pin, so they start arguing. Then Guevara tags himself in after a powerbomb onto the knee, and they continue to argue when MJF slaps him, and then Guevara super kicks MJF, and that leads to Perry hitting an elbow to the back of the head on Guevara. Darby tags, and he takes off the top, and then Perry gets out of the way, and the coffin drop is hit. Darby pins Sammy Guevara. And the question is, if Darby was prepared to hit Jack Perry if he didn't move out of the way, and MJF is furious as the graphic comes up for the four pillars, four corners match to headline double or nothing, mm-hmm. as expected. I, I've been pretty critical maybe uh, over the past couple of weeks of the way that they got here. But, man, the, the match I thought almost, uh, for me, justified some of the storytelling because I thought the match was really good, and I thought the beats in the way that they were able to drive home the rivalries between every single person in the ring ended up like it really done. It was done really well. And everybody landed kind of in, in their right spots. It, it, it the, the in-ring content itself served as a wonderful preview of the four way that we were going to get. You saw some of that same great chemistry between MJF and Darby Allen here, uh, Sammy and MJF. I thought they crafted some really funny spots together. And I thought they I really just- like these two as a team. Like there's, there's a time that they, when MJF maybe is not in the championship picture, 
like this is a detour they can revisit i i at some point cuz i thought they were really great together comedically but then watching them together i i really enjoyed these two yeah yeah it was good part of me just kind of feels like maybe some of this comedy like does this does this further diminish perhaps like the mid world title status of these four that they're trying to struggle to get out of anyway um but maybe for a lot of people it doesn't you know does this feel it's a it's the second match to the elite versus bcc and i would probably say that for for a lot of people but um does it feel important to you um yeah it, it feels important to me i really liked how this started i did not like the detour um however where they are now where you have just under a month before the pay-per-view i hope they do kind of hone in now and it's it's mm-hmm. serious promos. It's what they're going for. Sammy Guevara sort of having his eyes open now at who MJF is and that this is my one shot to win this championship. And like the four of us are going in here to be the the top star in the company. So yeah. I, I really hope like they are dialed in now because this is a very important match for all four of these guys, MJF included, in terms of how this match, you know, the match is going to be great, but it's it's the the level that they can draw for this pay-per-view that would be a big statement for the four of them if they can headline this show and it's and it's credited as such for doing a a strong number you think it'll be an event i would say yes and i would even argue that even come that weekend if people don't feel it's the number one match i think for long term for the perception of these four it would be more detrimental for them not to go last i I think you have to put these four last because these are your futures. Agreed. Okay. Well, let's open it up. If you want to send a super chat, you're welcome to do so. And we will go to forum.postwrestling.com to get your thoughts on what I would say was like a, would you say good edition of dynamite? Mm -hmm. I thought that there was some, the wrestling on the show. I really enjoyed the eight man and, the main event, I I liked the main event too. It was, uh, I, I wouldn't say there was a match on this show that was our, uh, four and a quarter star dynamite special, but there was good wrestling on this show and a really great farm angle. Yes, yes, highlighted by the farm angle. Yeah, I thought the storytelling throughout the show was was good, was effective, was productive. I mean, you had a reintroduction to Karashita. I thought like a a pretty good build towards uh, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho as well, with Adam Cole showing a lot of fire. Um, BCC promo I thought was incredibly strong. And uh, the Kenny Omega's response, I thought, was very strong as well. You had something involving the House of Black where they have a new set of challengers for the acclaimed. Um, and then the main event, you know, we're, we finally got the matchup and maybe a bit more of a serious tone from this point forward. So I would say a pretty product- productive show overall. Yeah. The in-ring, I will say, like, the middle portion of, like, it, like the Soraya Willow, like, Juice and Ricky was kind of off for me. Like, Wardlow is really just kind of a throwaway. I would say those were a little... and. Battle Royal was like it was pretty simple. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to that. But again, but, it's 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 to build your pay per view challenge. Well, that's right? that's what this show felt like more so. And this is a show that very much you know gets again. It's it's the standard that you assign dynamite. Uh, but this was a show more about getting people in place and and not having like the, the killer lineup that some other dynamites do. Mm. There will be very big expectations for that cage match next week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Let's go to a super chat here from Brandon from New Jersey, who says it's a happening. Can't wait. Of course, he is referring to the Forbidden Poor. Tickets available right now. Postwrestling.com slash live. $30 for 
an all day event. If you're just looking to get to the after party, that's eight dollars. So first chonkla season. <laughs> Brandon better be showing up with his chonklas. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's go to forum postwrestling.com we will start off with johnny fine episode of dynamite tonight i was excited when the four pillar program started because it felt great to see them be elevated to pay-per-view main event status but the build feels lackluster after the month my big question of the week is how you feel with dark and dark elevation being done and how it affects aew i feel that those shows didn't just help some signed talent get time but also helped indie talent get some exposure i know collision is coming but will it be a good substitute i I, I understand, uh, especially during the pandemic, I thought it like was a great service to keep uh, independent talent having dates and to get uh, to, to make some money uh, during those shows. But I, I would argue how much it really did to um, elevate a lot of independent talent. And was that your prime focus for dark and dark elevation? Like to me, it's yes, you're getting ring time for people. But when they're going out there and doing three, four minute matches. I didn't know if it was truly serving its purpose in a, in a roundabout way. And yeah, for it looks as though dark and dark elevation, if not on pause are not coming back, it, w- it would seem. So um, yeah, there were no new episodes this week. Personally, I, I think there's a lot of AEW programming to keep up with that. Um, there were fans of the shows, but to me, not enough that these updated when you're adding a two hour show where you find the time and the resources to produce another like some of these darks and dark elevations were over an hour. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a lot of time to to dedicate and you have ROH that can be that function now for you want to get a look at independent talent. That's your outlet for it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you'll continue to see a lot of maybe that progression. Like it, it really does turn ROH into sort of like your NXT now. Um, and I think it, it, the, the structure is, is a little bit cleaner with something that's not necessarily part of the AEW brand, but still provides a way for people to enter AEW um, and gives ROH maybe a, a more specific purpose. Um, I I was not somebody who was watching Dark nor Dark Elevation. Um, so I, I'm not really upset about this, but there was like, you know, a dedicated audience that I think would just enjoyed it um and maybe just liked having you know that extra few hours of wrestling to to catch up on a lot of the independent names mm. there's a lot of independent wrestling out there so. well that's that's the thing i mean these independent names are going to be they're going to have to make a name for themselves on the independence to you know hopefully get some buzz so that by the time they finally get in an AEW ring or an roh ring it means that much more right now i personally kind of feel like it just and kind of waters down like what it means to have an AEW match, you know? Um, so I, I'm not necessarily upset. In fact, like I just, I, I think having more a level shows or even a B level show, which is what rampage or maybe even a C level show, which is what, what rampage is, is probably going to maybe even turn, turn into that much more of, um, I think that helps the AEW brand. Oh, my turn. All right. We go up next to Brian from New Jersey, who says, congratulations on the momentous and stupendous forbidden tour, do, forbidden poor announcement. And also to Will Washington, who was announced as being all elite as uh, from Tony Khan today. So, yes, yes congratulations. congratulations to Will Washington. He is the AEW Wrestling Administration Coordinator. Yeah, which seems like a pretty loaded title. But, I mean, uh, he explained that Will Washington will be in charge of 
live events, social media, creative PR, and he has a great wrestling mind. He's here backstage tonight, and Will Washington is all elite. So, yeah, um, incredibly talented person that um, I'm sure will greatly benefit that company behind the scenes. So congratulations to him. Um, he says, Brian says, I really like tonight's main event. Finally, cementing the pay-per-view title match provided this is the main event. What would be more appealing to the general audience on May 28th? This four way are Carmelo Hayes versus Braun Breaker two. Um, I, I think the four way will be built up to be, to feel like the bigger match, but, um, I'm sure they're going to do a very good job with, with Hayes and Breaker, especially with Breaker now as the heel going into this rematch. Um, I think it's it's more so going to be a question of the totality of the card that is going to sway people, uh, rather than just comparing main events. And are they the shows aren't head to head? Are they? Um, they are They're not. Yes. Oh wow, they are. Yes. Yeah. I listen. If you're an AEW fan, if you're watching AEW, I'm I'm I feel like you'll probably watch Double or Nothing. Like to me, AEW still has like first run A class top tier programming like sheen attached to it that nxt does not nxt to me is still very much like you know developmental and the show that i will tape or at least i'll I'll dvr and i'll watch later um aw is the conversation and i imagine it will dominate the conversation that day and most people i think if you're going to watch both you'll probably watch aw first yeah i think the hope is that this is the cheaper alternative is watching nxt that will be a probably be a very good wrestling show i would be stunned if they don't put some main roster talent on that battleground show for the obvious reasons and make it the attractive choice for people that don't want to spend that amount on a pay-per-view that even if you have slightly more interest in double or nothing, um, the the cost is going to sway you and you're only going to pick one show that night to watch. Um, but I, you know, it's given that AEW, the, their pay-per-views are more, uh, they're more selective with their, their shows. They only do five. It does mm-hmm. feel like a bigger deal, and I think that's what they're they're going against. But it's again, it's WWE is putting NXT against this. It's not as though there's a scorecard the next day for a streaming uh, product that they. There's no loss here for WWE. It's it's strictly going to be you know people will be talking about the quality of each show, but it's not as though you get a a number the next day that compares the two shows or anything like that. I guess like are are the people that are maybe more so casual that like they're on the fence about an AEW show like what they mm, it's it's hard for me to think you know what they're probably going to be doing those fans they're probably going to be watching the playoff game that night uh yeah. whatever the the NBA game is that how night. likely is that audience to 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 buy a, a double or nothing anyway I'm I'm not sure like again the AEW audience kind of presents a pretty unique case study because I I sense like if you're an AEW fan you're pretty hardcore fan like I, I don't know if they're how casual at this point in aw audiences but you know maybe it is maybe there is uh okay who's next we have got mug in here it took a roundabout way to get to the pillars four-way when it could have taken a simpler path it's proof of aw having multiple months between pay-per-views being a double-edged sword is it me or does jay whitefield diminish trying to continue to ride the bullet club wave with dark and dark elevation being taken off the air to make way for collision does addition by subtraction make it easier for the casual viewer to learn about lesser known talent on the roster. Um, I don't think dark or dark elevation being there makes any difference for trying to find new fans. I don't think new fans are finding the product by uh, those, those shows uh, themselves, but um, 
it means like you know talents that don't necessarily get booked on dynamite or rampage will find their spot um as occasional roster members on those two shows and also on AEW rampage and beyond that how much attention does your typical AEW viewer have for everybody on the roster you know you get into the point of the conversation where you have to ask does AEW's roster need to be that big for the for the amount of like first run programming programming that matters programming that's drawing the money do they need a roster that big yeah and and isolating who your stars are that's the main thing is that mm-hmm. you can have a roster of 150 people you're going to have five or six stars that everything is built around and that is the key is that you have those stars and i'm less concerned about you know, guys number 80 through 85 as compared to those, those those top six and the next six that I want to elevate into those top six roles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian Smith brings up a good point about people like Amy Sakura that have been exclusively on dark and what happens to them. And that's that's a great question. Yeah. Like somebody like a Serpentico. I mean, I would expect maybe a lot of them would maybe get shifted to an ROH. But even then, you know, at this point, like some people are you're just not going to see as often. Um, but this is, it. I don't think running a wrestling promotion should be like, sort of like, um, charity, you know, I don't think everybody should have a spot. It's called all elite wrestling. And, and if you're not good enough to be on the main shows or like, you know, on your progression towards getting onto the main shows, I, I don't necessarily feel like there should be a spot for everybody. So, uh, he also, uh, Muggin also talked about Jay White feeling diminished. Do you feel that way? Not diminished, but I, I don't. I don't think the Bullet Club has any any added value to to, to me, um, unless they start marketing their shirts and they find that to be a, a revenue generator for them. Like to me, it's just I don't know. It it it, it doesn't help, but it's also not. I, I I wouldn't go so far as to say it's like it's handicapping him. I think it's it's just it has no value. I think people at this point can look past the, the dressing and the logo to really see that this is a mid-tier, mid-card program that Jay White is in. It's not how I would have introduced him. I would have introduced him towards the top with your top players. Um, this is a mid-card feud, and I don't think any sort of logo or color scheme attached to a new t-shirt is really changing that. All right. Uh, last one is from you. All right. Jake from the Whitney City says, just back from my trip to the Philippines. He says, I enjoyed the calm before the storm dynamite tonight. Main event was really good, even if a bit over the top with Max and Sammy doing over the top acting. I enjoyed Ricky's match more than I think I should have because it was different enough from the rest of the show and seemed to have some real heat. On the other hand, I'm over anything Soraya and company are doing and desperately, desperately need them to move on. Overall, an acceptable dynamite where everybody, everything mattered and the fluff was minuscule. To go off topic, have either of you been following the strike of the Writers Guild of America at all? Writers, like many in the arts, are grossly underpaid. Those who live to tell stories deserve better collective bargaining and working conditions, so I support these writers. Yeah, I mean, this it just began this week. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very important uh, battle for, for the writers, and the question will come of the, the, the leverage that they are able to to have here versus um, more 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 studios having options that are non-scripted options. Like we lived through the strike in was it 2008 where you know there was just this plethora of reality television at the time and I think over time it's just been less and less leverage that they have had. So this is going to be to me a very difficult one and you're seeing 
um, not just uh, as series like number like number of episodes are shrinking and the power that writers have, but already they are looking at like AI and what impact that's going to have. So it's like they're they're looking ahead to what are the problems going to be three four years from now uh, on top of stuff that has sort of been grandfathered in as well. It was interesting because this did come up during the WWE call today. Uh, with Nick Khan being asked if this affects WWE at all, and he stated it did not. First of all, I was I'm shocked at how many people when I tweeted this out were shocked that WWE writers are not union, and I was like, no, they're they're not. They never have been in WWE. And uh, Nick Khan also stating we support the uh, the writers uh, as well, not- noting that thing as well. But it it does also bring up a question of like I, I've heard from like some. Uh, very smart people covering the the strike that have assumed like this strike could go into like August, September, like this could go months. And it does bring about questions like already late night shows are shutting down at the moment. And when this goes long, are there going to be networks that are looking for more like non-scripted programming to fill the holes, especially when you're looking at like a fall season where you, you might not have certain um, c- certain programming if this strike lingers for a long time. And again, you always like relate it back to wrestling that here's this thing like, Hey, we are unscripted programming technically. Well, it's scripted, but it's, it's non-union as as well. I mean, is there any sort of power that like even that wrestling writers would have to get that changed? Is that, is that something that's being discussed or entertained at all? I, I mean, I've, I've, I've never heard of, it, of like them joining like a it, it would be an interesting question to see like right like what's the, what's the justification i guess not every show needs to hire writers as part of a union uh i i don't know the specifics about it like obviously it's like it's like an opt-in type of uh measure that that you could have but hmm. one that is like that's that's never been a, a case for wwe's writers yeah, okay yeah that's interesting all right that's the end of the show. So thanks to everyone for uh, tuning in again, postwrestling.com slash live. Get your tickets now. First 25 people to buy uh, the all day pass, which is $30 Canadian. That gets you the pre-show Q and a with way and I, as well as Brayden and Davey, who will be on hand before the show for several hours and then access to the after party. First 25 of you to buy tickets. will get your exclusive five-year anniversary post-wrestling t-shirt in the size that you desire. So head on over, postwrestling.com slash live. We will be at Real Sports Sunday, June the 25th, doors at 3 p.m. And the fun will just go all night long way. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you. Me? All all, all day, John, at 2 a.m. You know, we're not going to be in working mode after Forbidden Door. There's going to be plenty of singing going on. Plenty of. Uh, I don't think you'll be taking in any Brooks Jensen's. I'm. I'm guessing you might be taking a. You know uh, what? Are the, what are some of the names that? Oh, I'll be taking a nap. That's what I'm going to be taking. <laughs> It'll be fun. Hang out with us. Forbidden Door weekend. It's. It's going to be a happening. That's it for us. Thanks for tuning in, and we will speak with you on Thursday for Rewind Away. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.